This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 169, recorded Wednesday, July the 9th, twenty. Fourteen. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Jason, thank you for tuning in as well. It's one sixty nine. Yeah. How, how come I uh, I am I've I've set up my recording to uh, to be episode one sixty eight. I think that was the last one we did, was it not? That last one I have is one sixty seven. But maybe with, did we do the live podcast? How did how did we get out of sync here? Anyway, it's one sixty nine. I believe you. One sixty eight was the last one we did, according to my record. So this that would make this one one sixty nine. Okay, that, uh, that's fine. I'm, I yeah, my my uh, the file that I send you later on this evening will have a different name. You know why? It probably does have to do with the live recording, since you were here for it. You weren't at home recording yourself, therefore you didn't have to make an episode for that one. Yep, that's, that's probably, probably it. it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll sort that out next time when it's number one hundred seventy. Right. <laughs> Exciting stuff. All right, before we get started here today, should we talk about the World Cup a little bit? No, because I don't know anything. The only thing I know about the World Cup is yesterday on Reddit, there was some uh, uh, something going on with Brazil and Germany. There was a game yesterday between Brazil and Germany. It was a semifinal, and it was a massacre. Uh, Germany just massacred the hell out of the host nation Brazil. Yeah, that's that's the impression I got from uh, from uh, Reddit. Basically, they posted a bunch. Uh, what I saw was a bunch of gifts saying, "This is the the World Cup match right now," and it was various, you know, uh, Brazil objects being you know trounced by uh, German objects. It was uh, the the final score was seven one for Germany, and Germany scored five of their goals in the first half of the game. I think even the first for uh, thirty five minutes of the game. They set all sorts of World Cup records for quickest goals, uh, other ones too. Things like, you know, worst defeat by the home nation, stuff like that. Right, most embarrassing game, right. that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and the thing that I noticed online and that I thought was the funniest, and any people out there who are locals, local being Toronto or maybe Southern Ontario may know this, Germany, in that game in a soccer game, scored more goals than David Clarkson did for the Leafs all last season. I'm just going to leave that, that right so there. so lost on me. <laughs> lost on you, maybe, but any Leaf fans out there will know exactly what I'm talking about. Who? Sorry, you said Kelly Clarkson what? David. David Clarkson. David, is he related to Kelly Clarkson? I don't think so. Okay. But he signed a big contract with the Leafs last year and had a bit of an off season. Let's just say that. Oh. Uh, I, could, I could do that. Uh, like I could sign a you know a multi million dollar contract with the Leafs and then go. <laughs> man, that would be. Uh, I can't skate. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever held a hockey stick. <laughs> uh, I think I played floor hockey a couple of times in grade seven. Well, you know, it's that kind of thing is not really expected of you in your job. You don't get paid five million dollars a year to do that. He does, right. yet he still didn't do it. Anywho. Germany, more goals in one soccer game than David Clarkson all last year. Leaf fans, myself included, I am sorry. Well, okay, so the German nation did something that an individual did not do. 
So so what? Right? It, it, yeah, it's just if you're you, comparing a human being to like an entire soccer club. I am, and that's why it's funny. Yeah, and kind of depressing. All right. Other than the World Cup, there's other stuff going on. Uh, the final of that is on Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. I hope Germany takes it. Okay. Who are they playing? Argentina. Argentina, Argentina. won the other semifinal this afternoon. Okay, good. Uh, against the Netherlands. I was kind of hoping the Nether- Netherlands would get in and we'd have an all-European uh, final, but alas, it is not to be. Okay. Um, stranger. Dave, he's doing his Kickstarter. I just want to remind everybody of that. There's only a few days left in that, so if you haven't gone over there to support friend of the show Dave, visit strangercollection.com to be forwarded directly to his Kickstarter page. Um, You can get all the information there, but he's putting out a collection of all the first five issues of Stranger plus a sneak preview of issue number four. I mean, issue number six. (laughs) You get four and a sneak preview of four. (laughs) Nice. Um, And uh, there's all kinds of different Kickstarter support levels at the highest level. You yourself can be drawn as a zombie in the comics. So there's only a few days left, but if you listen to this podcast uh, right on time, which I think you all should do, you still have time. Go to strangercollection.com to support friend of the show Dave in his kickstarting efforts. And now it's time to get into the meat of the show. So over this last past weekend, last past this over this last past weekend right i'm with i'm with you good amc it was uh they did their dead white and blue weekend and it's dead white and blue because it was uh july 4th long weekend down in the states right that is their independence day Mm -hmm. and so they did a walking dead marathon all weekend seasons one two three and four and they are calling it dead white and blue fancy fancy i know and I did not watch any of the actual marathon because I was busy and I've seen all the episodes multiple times. Not that I don't like to go revisit them once in a while, but I had other things going on. But I did tune in for the capper of the whole thing on Sunday night at 9 p.m. They did a special season five preview episode of Talking Dead with Chris Hardwick. Yeah, I did not. Uh, you texted me and told me to watch that, but uh, I had... As you say, other things going on, and my phone was not with me, so I completely missed the text and uh, did not did not watch it. Well, that's unfortunate, or fortunate, depending on how you look at it. Why, was it not terribly, terribly enjoyable? You know, well, I'm not a big fan of the show to begin with, which we've talked about before, but this episode wasn't terrible, and I'll tell you why. The main reason is that uh, one of the guests was Aisha Tyler. Right. And she's she's very good. If you know her Girl on Guy podcast, it's quite I good. Do. Yeah, I I've uh, I've listened to that podcast. I think uh I think she's great. It's quite good. You know, she's funny on Whose Line Is It Anyway? She was great on Friends and I don't know anything else she's done. But she's I, articulate, smart, and uh she would fit right into that show. I think she would be a really good guest actually. She was. She's been on before. She's a she refers to her or uh, they refer to her as a super fan of The Walking Dead. So she had a lot of you know, stuff to say. I mean, she did most of the talking, to be quite honest with you. She kind of took over the show from Hardwick. Yeah. And if AMC has anything to say, I think they should make her the host of it, frankly. I think they should uh, make her the host of another competing show with uh, Talking Dead. A competing Walking Dead talk show? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, why not? (laughs) And call it The Talking Dead. No, don't do that. (laughs) She can come on our show anytime she wants. But Yeah, that'd be uh, cool. Set that up, Chris. Oh, maybe I will. 
Um, all right. Well, so she was really good. The other guest on the show was showrunner Scott Gimple. Right. So he didn't have much interesting to say because he's far too close to the production and he knows exactly what's going on. So he can't really make any reveals or anything like that. Right. Uh, they did talk a fair bit about season four, of course, and as much as they could speculating about season five because... Apparently Hardwick has no inside information, but yet there's all sorts of interview clips of him on set talking to people. So he knows kind of what's going on, I'm sure, but he plays like he doesn't. Right. So overall though, I, I kind of have to give it to them that it was an interesting enough episode, especially when it came to the discussion of season four. Right. And that had a big... You know, and in a big part, that was because of Aisha Tyler. She was just good. She asked interesting questions. She had interesting things to say about what she saw. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through some of the stuff they talked about, a few of the things that were, I don't know, revealed, for lack of a better word, or whatever. But I think the first thing we should talk about is the season five preview footage that they showed. They showed this right at the end of the episode, but we're going to, you know, go right out of the gate here with it right here. Right, because we like to flip things on its head. Like, yeah. why why lead someone on? Like, the idea is to uh, uh, of that show is to make people watch it all the way through, so that you get as many eyeballs on commercials as you can. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, obviously, we're not uh, as money driven as say a network television show. Uh, that uh, we can we can spill stuff right at the beginning because if you want to, you know, press stop right now, that that's pretty much okay with us. It pretty much is. If we do, if we don't make any money, we're not going off the air. So well, yeah, because we don't make any money now, and we're still on the air. <laughs> that's, that's right. Right. That's right. So no burying the lead. We are going to put the lead right up front and and talk about this footage. Now I'll run through it quickly. It is a scene of. I should say this is a little spoilery. I guess if you didn't see that footage, there's not much in here that spoils anything. But if you don't want to hear anything about footage from season five. You might not want to listen to this, but trust me, it's hardly anything. Uh, it is a scene of Carol, Judith, and Tyrese on the train tracks. Carol is looking at something, and she suddenly realizes that there's a whole bunch of zombies in the forest next to her. She comes back to Judith and Tyrese, who appear to be near one of the Terminus signs, although we see the sign from the back, so we don't know 100% that it is a Terminus sign on the other side. Right. And she says there's a whole bunch more of them, and... So they run off into the forest on the other side of the tracks and hide down behind some bush and kind of look at the zombies who are coming out of the forest onto the train tracks. That's it. Right. So is there anything we can infer or deduce from this footage, Mr. Miles? Do you think they're on the train tracks on their way to Terminus? Do you think possibly they are intentionally leading a herd of zombies to Terminus? Or are they simply trying to avoid those zombies on their journey? The only real information I got out of this was uh, Carol must have had a talking to uh, with Judith because if uh, if that baby makes any noise and draws the, uh, the zombies nearer, uh, Carol's going to kill her. <laughs> right? So she must have had a nice conversation with that baby. You better be quiet or, you know, I'm going to slit your throat. The baby was very quiet. The baby was awake, I noticed, and not making a sound. And, you know, obviously, if she makes any sort of noise, crying is pretty loud when you're trying to be quiet. 
those zombies are going to come right for them. So you're right. She must have had a talk with the baby and said, you keep it down. Judith is also a very smart baby to uh, to listen to reason and logic like that. Oh, yes. most babies won't, right? They they just won't. It takes a very special baby to understand yeah. reason. <laughs> uh, I think they're on the train tracks on the way to Terminus. But I think this uh, herd is also on the way to Terminus, independently of them. Like, they're both basically two groups of entities uh, going in the same direction uh, by complete happenstance. So you don't think that possibly... Um, somehow Carol, Tyrese, and the baby have figured out that something is amiss at Terminus. Maybe they even know that their friends are in peril, locked in a train car, and not really having any other option. They're bringing the herd to Terminus to overrun, basically overrun the colony there and try to save everybody. No, because I think that if they did have that conversation and they did know that the group was in a train car or in Terminus and they wanted to bring uh, a herd to there, uh, they really wouldn't need a baby with them. So somebody in the baby would go somewhere else and the third person would uh, draw the herd in because it only takes one person and a radio or one person uh, banging pots to get the attention of a herd to draw one location. So I think that the fact that there's three of them, including a baby, uh, probably means that this is not an intentional thing. Okay. The other thing is, right off the top, we we get a close-up shot of Carol's face. Looks like she's looking down at something, and then she genuinely seems startled when she notices the zombies beside her. Right. So I got the feeling, or I mean, I didn't get the feeling that, you know, she knew they were there, she was intentionally leading them or hurting them or something like that. You know, she was looking at the tracks or reading the sign maybe and suddenly realized, oh my gosh, there's zombies. The only thing that that turns that on its head a little bit is that she comes back to Tyrese and she says something like there's more of them or there's more coming as if she's, I don't know, trying to bring them there or something. But I think no, you're probably I think maybe right. if she's trying to get away that she's like, oh crap, there's more this way. And then she goes back another way. Oh crap, there's more this way. And then she goes back the original way and goes, oh yeah, there's more... There's some this way, too. We're surrounded. What shall we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Carol, I didn't think, looked all that freaked out. Tyrese, on the other hand, always kind of looks freaked out. So he seems to understand that they're, or at least feel that they're in much more danger than she does. Right. I don't know. It's just the looks on their face. So ultimately, it doesn't really tell us anything. And, uh, of course, the scene is totally out of context for... Uh, whatever it's going to be in the final episode. Mm -hmm. But it's the first footage from season five, and we couldn't let it go uh, without talking about it. Right. Um, okay, in terms of the rest of the episode of Talking Dead, I made a bunch of notes here. How about I just run through them, and let's see if anything pops out at us. Okay. One of the things they <laughs> reiterated, Scott Gimple, this just goes to show he can't tell us anything new, but he reiterated that uh, the humans are much more deadly than the zombies. Yep. Thank you very much. We know that. And they talked a little bit about that house where Beth and Daryl were, that um, mortuary or right. uh, funeral okay. home. And he did say that it was supposed to be a lovely place and that apparently there was a whole backstory for it, but um, they never they never shot it. They, they, they came up with a backstory involving a nice old undertaker, he said, and he was taking bodies and sort of making them whole again before burying them. And then he died on a run. So he was kind of doing good work trying to honor the dead and stuff like that. And so that was supposed to be a nice, friendly, welcoming location. 
um, but they didn't they, they didn't go with that, uh, or they didn't sort of outline that in the episode. So just, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Just interesting information, I thought. An implied backstory is uh, is pretty good. Yeah, implied it's not backstory. wasted. Well, no, it's no, like no. when you're out doing something you shouldn't be doing, and you are coming home late, and you make up a lie as to where you were, and then your wife never asks. It's, it's not a wasted lie. It just, <laughs> you know, it's just you didn't need it. <laughs> That's right. You can put it in your back pocket and use it some other day. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, they did the kill of the season. So in, in during the season, they used to do the kill of the episode. Right. Uh, kill of the season, according to Talking Dead, AMC's Talking Dead, was the governor being beat up, stabbed, and shot in the head. Right. Kill of the season for season four. Um, he spoke to some of the cast. Lauren Cohan said, what happens is so flippin' cool in season five, episode one. Uh, the group has to be so resourceful to get out of this situation. <laughs> so right. it's going to be cool, Jason. So it's we're going to, cool. it's going to be Jack Bauer versus MacGyver to get out of this thing. Oh, that's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. Totally awesome. Um, Gimple would not confirm whether the people at Terminus are in fact cannibals. He was asked straight out and he would not confirm it. But he did not deny it. He did not deny it either. Um, And this got me thinking, what if they just don't ever address it? Like everyone out there on the interweb seems to know, or they just, they seem to believe that they're cannibals. We know where that concept comes from. Yep. Um, But... You know, there's no hard evidence. I mean, there's some evidence, but there's no confirmation yet, of course, that there is any cannibalism happening there. And, you know, what if the show just sort of never goes there? What if this episode, season five, episode one, kind of just plays out and they just never really get to that? Hmm. Do you think they would they would pull something like that on us? I think that'd be a lot of fun. If really? They didn't do that. I mean, we, everybody just assumes that, you know, cannibals, cannibals, cannibals. Uh, you know, what if they're not cannibals? What if they're just, you know, worried about people coming in and they just want to take uh take our intrepid survivors stuff, mm-hmm. like their backpack and their poncho and a, and a hat and a couple of guns and uh maybe the baby if, when the baby shows up, sure. And uh they just turn them out and send them on their way. You know, get lost. Except Rick freaked out, so they put them in a train car. Right. Is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So they put them in a train car and then they, uh, uh, I, I don't know what, train car, train cars move. So what if they have a, you know, a big diesel engine that they, they just start up and <laughs> drag that, uh, drag that train car out into the bush somewhere and, and uh, uh, open the door and say, get out. Roll it down a cliff or something. <laughs> well, very few train tracks go off cliffs. <laughs> Fill it with rocks, push it into the lake. Very few train tracks go into the lake. True. True. And train cars are hard to move, uh, you know, outside of tracks. Once they're off the tracks, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's a possibility. I just was thinking everyone assumes they're cannibals. Some people don't, maybe. Scott Gimple won't confirm it. And we've heard that Season 5, Episode 1 is just action-packed, fast-paced, really crazy. What if they just never go there? And I think people are going to be upset by that. Unless the episode's so good that completely wipes their mind of anything they had in it before and they're totally satisfied. Right. I don't know. Um, Eulen Womble, the costume designer for the show, who I met briefly in uh, Chicago at Walker Stalker Con, mm-hmm. she said in her little interview segment that she wanted to go full Mad Max with the termites, the people at Terminus. 
but she termites. Re- yeah, but no, she. Uh, we're going to come back to that. Okay, she realized that they are scarier if they look like normal, friendly people. That's true. Could think of think of if uh, you know real termite termites were chewing on your house and they looked like people. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I'd move out. I'd be like, "There's people, little tiny people chewing on my house. I'm leaving." They're eating my house, man. Yeah. That would be freaky. Uh, you wanted to come back to termites? Uh, yeah, I'm all done with termites. It's a cool name, though. I like it. It is a good name. Um, okay, they did mention that there would be some Inside the Walking Dead specials airing on AMC. One of them was on last night, I'm afraid, on July 8th. The other one is on the 15th, so you might still have time to catch that one. These are just... I don't know, a little behind-the-scenes documentaries. I'm sure they won't have uh, too much new in them, but might be interesting to see nonetheless. That'd be good. Uh, I missed the one last night, so I don't have anything to say on that. Um, Hardwick, he pointed out that the termites put everybody in the car together and they didn't separate them. And this is something that I think we pointed out too a while back that kind of bothered me. If you have a group of people here that you... um, I guess they don't know for sure that they know each other, but at least some of the group, they arrive together. So why not right. separate them and, you know, not put them together where they can sit around and hatch a plan to escape? Yeah. Seem, seems to make sense. Um, Let's see. Aisha Tyler said that she thinks the Terminus people have a system and, and have a great amount of confidence in it. They don't even consider the potential danger of grouping the people together. Right. Well, they've never encountered, uh, you know, pro- the story protagonists before, obviously. <laughs> That's right. They've never. They've always been the protagonists. And when you encounter another group of, uh, or, you know, an actual group of protagonists, you're in trouble. Right. Well. I'm pretty sure I'm not the protagonist in whatever story I happen to be in. <laughs> you're not the main character, right? Eh? No, I'm not the main character. I'm more of a, probably just a, you know, hopefully just a complete background story, not even a story, just a background character, not even, a, you know, a walk-on or a line. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not the actual protagonist. Well, you let me know if you ever run into the main character in your story, okay? Because that'll be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> I hope it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and not a horror movie or a tragedy. tragedy yeah, tragedy would be bad. Uh, horror would be bad. You know, sci-fi would be interesting, but bad, probably. Probably. Uh, I'm going. I'm hoping for a comedy, uh, romantic comedy would be okay. I could be a background character in a, in a romantic comedy. You're the I guy s- sitting in the in the uh, background of the coffee shop scene going, peas and carrots, carrots peas and peas. Peas and carrots, yeah. Right, okay. I like peas and carrots. That's you. Aisha Tyler also said that if they find a way out of that train car, that it's got to be strategy-driven, not physically-driven. They can't yeah. just fight their way out. They have to come up with a plan and strategize their way out of that thing, which I think is an interesting point. I've never heard a smaller if. Like you say that that's a big if. This is not a big if. If they find their way out of that train car, yeah, it's a very small if. Right? It is. Because they're going to find their way out of the train car. That's right. And they don't have a uh, a Hulk or a uh, the thing from Fantastic Four. They don't have... Uh, the tank to bust them their way out. I mean, Eugene is pretty, not Eugene, the uh, the other guy. Um, Abraham. Abraham. I mean, they have Abraham, but he's not busting his way out of a train car. No. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have to think their way out of that box. That's right. Well, Alana Masterson called all the characters psychopaths, and putting them all together in the train car is a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, they don't know that they, these two groups know each other. Like, there's nothing to indicate that they know each other, right? That's right. 
but I still think that the two groups that did show up together, you'd separate those individual groups, right? If you had the space or, you know, guarding two separate groups in two separate areas really stretches your uh, your manpower. Whereas if you have one group in one area, you can concentrate the uh, the guarding of that group. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. They may have limited resources, and that's why. They don't take penitentiaries and spread, uh, you know, three, four prisoners in uh, neighborhoods all over the all over the, the country. Like, they concentrate them into one area where they can guard them all at the same time. Yeah, but even if it's, like, four guys who committed a crime together, do they put them in jail together? Yeah, Supermax. They they put all the Supermax people in the same jail. All right. Well, then, why not? Uh, Andrew J. West, he is the actor who plays Gareth. He said that Gareth is supposed to mirror Rick, a normal guy, fighting, uh, figuring out how to survive. And he said Gareth is a real person. He's not a one-dimensional character. I guess he would say that. He's playing him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought up a whole backstory for him. That's right. You'll never know about. But he also said he, Gareth, has another perspective on what the zombie-infested world is now. Whatever that means. Is now. Not was and not will be, but now. Right. What sort of this world is now and I guess how you deal with it. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. We don't know much about Gareth yet. But uh, if he doesn't get killed off in the first episode, we may get to know him a little bit better. Right. Um, let's see. Denise Huth, one of the producers, or Huth, said Terminus is the biggest threat they've faced so far, and that's because they are captive. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're stuck there. Um, Gimple, Scott Gimple had this to say. Season 5 has a couple of moments from way back in the comic, and he said they have the luxury of telling comic stories far differently. From way back, eh? From way back in the comic, that's right. He also confirmed, um, I mean, not in so many words, but Scott or uh, um, Chris Hardwick asked about the character of Negan, who's a character that shows up later on in the comics, and we mm -hmm. won't go into him too much. And Gimple basically confirmed that Negan will be coming to the show eventually. And I know this is this is information that's been out there before. I think Kirkman has even sort of said that. So we don't know when this is happening or what their plans are. But it sounds like they definitely have plans to get to that point at some, you know, position down the road and incorporate him into the show. And Gimple basically came out and said that. So that's something we can look forward to, I suppose. Right. And then a viewer, uh, I think, emailed in and asked why there are no naked zombies. Because <laughs> he said, you got to figure, or Hardwick, I think, said, you got to figure that, you know, you know, zombie apocalypse happens, you're stepping out of the shower, you die, oh, you're dead, you come back, you're a naked zombie. Or your clothes rot off, or they get snagged on a branch and you just keep going and they rip off. Yeah. There's yeah, there's all kinds of reasons. But this is a this is a television show. It's true. Right? So it's not the, uh, it's not the you know, the preamble on a porn. So <laughs> uh, they got to have clothes. So all we see... Maybe the camera is just being selective. The camera is only showing the ones that are clothed. Clothed. I assume the naked ones or the ones with like a half a boob hanging out are behind the camera. Yeah, exactly. They're just off screen. Or yeah, you know, hiding behind a, a bush. Like you know, they like in Austin Powers, they had the perfectly timed right. stuff, so you never got to see any nudity. Exactly. Maybe it just happens to be that the the, the zombie you see through the bushes uh, is completely naked, but you don't see the the, the nudity because. There's bushes. That is a possibility. Zombies are good at that. 
Coincidentally, um, Chuck from Planet Earth sent this email in to us. He said, it seems like they are all dressed like they came out of Little House on the Prairie. Like no matter where we run into a zombie, they're wearing long sleeves, flannel, old dresses, long pants, etc. Wouldn't some of the walkers be wearing yoga pants or t-shirts or shorts? Just something that's always bothered me. Wondered what your thoughts were. <laughs> well, what time of year did the breakout happen? I don't know, but no matter what, it's in the south where it's usually warm. I mean, I know not all. You know, uh, uh, you know, northern standards. Like it's it's, it's warm, uh, you know, for our standards. Right. But down there, they'd still be wearing jackets, and we'd go down there and be like, what are you, crazy? It's like 22 degrees. What the hell are you wearing a jacket for? Right. It's like it's cold. Yeah. It's not cold. Anyway, so maybe uh, it was because of the time of year, maybe the people that were uh, coming out of the shower and got uh, bitten by a zombie are still stuck in the bathroom. <laughs> it's true. Maybe the bathroom locked from the outside, and they can't get out. They've been in there for uh, a year and a half. That would be unfortunate. Completely naked. Walking around, dripping all over their bathroom floor. Right. Well, they're, I'm sure they're dry by now. Yeah, probably. So, uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Uh, it is kind of funny, though, that they do seem to all have, like, flannel shirts on, long pants, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's just, it's easier to rip up that stuff and make it look all dirty and grungy and old, maybe. Right. I don't know. All right. That is basically the Talking Dead episode. So a few interesting things, but not too much new. Um, and even the clip that they showed us was pretty, pretty, uh, not boring, but pedestrian. Well, they're not going to show, I know, know, super interesting stuff because they're stuck in a, uh, you know, they're stuck in a train car. If they get out in the first episode and they show anything outside of that train car, it's a spoiler. That's right. right? If they show anything inside the, uh, the train car, it'd be less of a spoiler, but we'd know it's, you know, oh, come on. That's from the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. So they, they can't show anything. So this is the only option is to either just show zombies or show Carol and Judith and Tyrese. Yeah, doing nothing. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it uh, is more about The Walking Dead with The Walking Dead News. Stick around. We'll have that when our program continues. She's got a smile and it seems to me Reminds me of childhood memories Where everything was as fresh as the bluest sky Now and then when I see her face She takes me away to that special place And if I'd stayed too long I'd probably break down and cry Today's podcast is brought to you by you, the fantastic Talking Dead listeners. If you want to help support the show, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. You can go there and make a small pledge to help uh, to help produce the show, put money back into it, and uh, help keep us on the air. 
there's different levels of support, and there are rewards you can get if you go to uh, support at certain levels. So thanks to everyone that supports us on Patreon. And if you want to get in on that and be cool like all your friends, visit patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. And don't forget about our Amazon link. Uh, what did you say it was? It was Amazon.com? No, it was TalkingDeadPodcast.Amazon.com? Amazon.TalkingDeadPodcast.com. There you go. That's the thing. And, I, and you know, I'm, I'm just tooling around Amazon right now. They have the entire series run on DVD of Matlock. And you could buy that right now on Amazon. And, uh, you know, we'd get a little bit of a kickback from that if you, uh, if you, if you started from that link. <laughs> if you want the entire DVD run of Matlock, visit amazon.talkingtippodcast.com before you do all of your shopping there and I'd help support the show. Thanks very much, everybody. And help support Matlock. That too. Walking Dead News. Okay, time for the Walking Dead News to get caught up on all the information that you want to know about the Walking Dead TV show and franchise in general. The first item in the news is kind of spoilery. Again, not super spoilery, but a little bit. Mundane spoilery. Yeah, it refers to season five and some filming that they are doing. So if you don't want to hear about that, mostly a filming location. But it could be of interest, uh, and it could be considered a little spoilery. So move ahead if you're worried about that. Just, yeah, there's a, is there a skip button on uh, that you can use just say, to jump 30 seconds ahead? There probably is. Okay, good. Use, use that. that a couple times. There you go. Season 5 apparently is filming back in Atlanta, Atlanta proper. Really? Yeah. So we're not out in Sonoya anymore. Or Sonoy, uh, we're not out in the countryside in the little towns, back in Atlanta. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean the plot takes the show or takes the characters back to Atlanta. They could just be using Atlanta to fill in for some other slightly larger urban place that's not, you know, a huge city. Right. Um, or they could just be using a small portion of it or like a building or something like that. I don't really know. Could be a soundstage that could be the interior of any place. Uh really. Well, it it could be, but I think there's some sort of spy shots of uh, of outdoor shooting. Oh, so there's an outdoor location. Okay. Yeah, there sense. is. Uh, so Tristan uh, on the internet sent us an image of the official letter from Stalwart Films about the filming locations. Right. Which was interesting. So it is official. And then 13WMAZ.com wrote a brief article about it, and they said most of the filming took place inside the Hurt Building, but crews were spotted shooting outside on Mitchell Street. Crews were getting ready to make a van fall off a bridge. Official, oh. uh, officials shut down several lanes in the area while off-duty officers helped with traffic. I want to see a van fall off a bridge. Me too. Um, well, you know, on TV. Right. Pro- properly staged with stunt people and safety gear and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to actually see a van fall off a bridge. No, no, no. We want to see it happen on the show. Yes hopefully with nobody inside that we care too much about because it could be a really high bridge. I don't know. 
Yeah, it all depends on the bridge. Maybe if it's a really low bridge, like that, uh, the bridge just outside the prison that went from uh, the prison grounds across that little creek. Yeah. You know, having a van fall off of there would be like, ah, crap, the van fell off the bridge. And it's stuck. Now we have to get it out. Yeah. You know, that'd be really boring. <laughs> That's right. Um, but anyways, uh, it does sound like it could be an interesting uh, set piece, you know, bridge, van falling off, driving off, maybe doing a stunt jump of some kind. Flip. Or a flip, yeah, it could be really awesome. It could also go really bad for somebody in that van. So yeah. who knows? I just think it's interesting that they're filming back in Atlanta. If this does mean that season five goes back to Atlanta, that's that's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder why they'd be going back to the city after. I mean, I guess it's been a long time, but you got to think Rick still figures there's a lot of zombies in that city. Best to stay away. It's probably a stand-in for a different location. I can't imagine that they would go back to Atlanta um, you know, the actual characters would go back to the uh, the Atlanta in the show. It's probably a stand-in. You're probably right, but uh, you never know. Maybe they go to a different city, and maybe Atlanta is standing in for another, like, bigger city. I think I think just going back to a city is actually pretty intriguing, you know, if, any, if nothing else. Yeah, that would be fun. So, uh, okay, a couple of preview videos were released by AMC recently. The second one is a little spoilery, but the first one isn't. Um, I pulled out a bunch of quotes from the actors because I think some of them are funny and some of them are, are interesting. So here we go. In uh, Norman Reedus said, it's one of the scripts where every couple of pages you go, oh my God, and you have to put it down and just think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, about episode 501. I don't read a lot of scripts, so I don't know one of those scripts. <laughs> no, like it, it doesn't really fall into my, uh, you know, into my wheelhouse. But I have I read a script of Brazil. You remember that uh, that movie Brazil, Terry, Terry Gilliam? That's right. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good read. I had to put that down and went and go, oh my god, once. So as far as I know, every script is like that. All right. Well, Norman Reedus says this is one of those scripts. Wow. <laughs> Chad Coleman said after I read Five Hundred One, I said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it is one of those scripts, Jason. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's pretty exciting. Andrew Lincoln said it's the most ambitious first episode I think we've ever attempted. Really? Yeah, ambitious. That's Even more than the pilot, do you think? That's what he says. Wow. You know, we will see. I wonder how many little girls they're going to kill in this episode. Oh, if it's, if it's anything like the pilot five or six. Yeah, they're going to have to shoot a whole bunch of them. Andrew Lincoln also said, I think a lot of people are trying to work out where they belong in the group. This season is very much about hierarchy. Oh. You know, it's interesting. Could mean anything. Uh, or it could play out in any way, I guess. Um, or he could just be talking about everyone stuck in that train car, and they sit down and they decide, now, who's the leader, who's second in command, who's third in command, and who's going to come up with the plan to get us out of here? Or maybe the hatch is on the uh, the ceiling of the train car, and they have to decide who's going to be on the bottom and who's going to be on top. And that's what they mean by hierarchy. It's actual, you know, literal translation of we need to build a pyramid, uh, so we need uh, the smaller, lighter people to go on top, and we need uh, we need the big people on the bottom to you know to be stabilized. That's right. This this human pyramid. Let's uh, let's do this right, people, so we can get out of here safely. <laughs> right. Finally, Lauren Cohan said, this episode is so disturbing. I mean, some of the stuff they shot yesterday, I don't know if it'll make it to TV. And this was the quote that pretty much everyone pulled out of this video. 
because it is the most interesting, possibly the most uh, concerning, maybe, that they've shot stuff that they think is too disturbing for TV, at least by Lauren Cohan's standards. Uh, read the quote again to me. She said, this episode is so disturbing. I mean, some of the stuff they shot yesterday, I don't know if it'll make it to TV. Could that be taken out of context to be uh, the stuff they shot yesterday was such a load of crap that chances are they can't even use it? Right. It's so disturbingly bad that yeah. they're just going to leave this on the cutting room floor. Because there have been you know, directors and producers that have done television and movies where they would go out and not have a good plan and the director of photography would get mad at the director and they'd have a fight and they'd shoot a couple of things and it's all complete garbage and there's nothing they can use. Well, it happened on this show. Remember the beginning of season um, three? Three, yeah. yeah. They, they shot a bunch of stuff, realized it was bad, didn't use any of it, and they went a different direction. I wonder how disturbing that was. Well, we saw some of it on the DVD for that that season. It's so disturbing. Yeah. I don't even know if it'll make it to TV. Yeah. You're right. This totally could be out of context. If, in fact, they're shooting stuff, though, that she's worried will be shot down by, you know, TV censors, that concerns me a little bit. I mean, I guess it's good that they're trying to push the envelope, but I don't want them to, you know, be handcuffed by by the censors, right? Right. And so far, that's never happened, as far as we know. Kirkman and everybody has always said AMC has been very cool about the gore and the, the storylines and so on. And killing little girls, shooting, you know, look at the flowers, Lizzie, all that kind of stuff. You'd think that some of that maybe someone would have a problem with, but so far nobody has. If it gets more disturbing than that, Rick, you know, biting a dude's neck out, it's pretty pretty gross. Yeah. Um, you start getting kids to do stuff uh, that gets a little iffy. Sure, but there's no kids left on the show, is there? Except for Carl. Well, just Carl. Yeah. Maybe Carl is going to do some nasty stuff. He's going to start, uh, you know, bashing people's heads in with uh, a really tiny hatchet kind of thing. Ah, that doesn't, I don't think that would bother anybody. <laughs> Carl yeah. would have to do something really, really bad. I don't know. Anyways, I hope they're not falling victim to censors here, but you're probably right. I'm sure they aren't. It's probably just out of context. Right. Now, the second video that AMC put out um, was less interesting, but I feel like it had a bigger spoiler in it. Okay. A, not, not a huge spoiler, but potentially a spoiler. So this video was all the cast and crew talking about what their favorite zombie was, what their favorite explosion was throughout the four seasons of the show, that kind of stuff, which is no big deal because it was all stuff that there it was in the past they were talking about. But then right at the end, there was a quick shot of Andrew Lincoln standing um, at the top of the stairs that they walked up to to get into the train car. So there's right. like two or three steps up to the train car. Mm -hmm. He was standing at the top of those steps, maybe just inside the door or just outside the door, I mean, of the train car. He's holding a rifle and he's kind of holding it up and he's aiming it out uh just, I, I don't know what, what, he's just aiming it out at a couple of things outside the train car. Now he's wearing earbuds. So this is clearly between takes. It's like a rehearsal of something. So 
But to me, I'm like, why would they show him doing that? Is he just playing around or is he actually rehearsing a scene that they're shooting? And if he's rehearsing a scene they're shooting, he's standing at an open train car with a big gun in his hand pointing it at stuff. They're messing with us. You think they're I messing? Think, I think it's misinformation. I think that wouldn't it be cool if I was standing here with a rifle uh, or, you know, and, if, uh, and, and they shot it and we uh, put that out somewhere, like in a behind the scenes and confused everybody? Right. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I suppose they could be doing that. I wouldn't think it was a mistake or, or something like that. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't put that out there and not realize that people are going to pick right up on it. What are the other people doing around him? Um, it's pretty quick. You don't see a lot of other people. You might see other crew. Uh, as far as I can remember, you can't see anyone else in the like back in the train car or anything. It's just him with earbuds in, listening to music, I guess, to get pumped up or something like that. And he's standing there with the gun up, pointing it out of the train car, and he's standing on top of the steps. Okay, that doesn't strike me as very safe. Usually when they have even you know, uh, uh, prop guns, Prop, if it was a prop rifle and he was up there, you're supposed to still treat it like a an actual weapon, and you're always supposed to treat a weapon as if it was loaded. So you don't just play around with earbuds and go and you know pretend to point at things. Oh come so, on! With prop guns, I think you can. They're not no, real guns. No, look at uh, what's his name. Uh, he died from a prop gun. Um, the, the Bruce Lee's son, whatever his name is, Jet Lee. Not Jet Lee. <laughs> Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. He right. was uh, he was making that movie, and and the prop gun, uh, I think, somehow got loaded with an actual bullet because the prop guns, uh, some of them are actual uh, firearms that have been safed. Right? They've been uh, they've had the, the the firing pins removed or some other way they've been made into props rather than like they're no longer operational. Okay, but you're su- still supposed to treat them with respect. And there's usually some kind of firearm prop master supposed to accompany uh, the actors. So I'm a little, I'm a little uh, taken aback by the fact that he's just kind of playing around with earbuds in. So maybe he was, it either was staged and this, he was directed to do this under the complete supervision of uh, the prop master and all this kind of thing. Or he was rehearsing uh, and the earbuds were part of his rehearsal. He needed to rehearse with... Maybe they recorded the, uh, uh, you know, the table read through, right? And he was rehearsing with that. So just listening back to the uh, to to the to the script as the actors were reading through it, sitting at a table. So you know, it could be either one, or it could be none of the above. He could just be screwing around, and maybe they don't have any kind of safety standards whatsoever on the on the set. <laughs> yeah, none at all. No safety standards whatsoever. Right. All right. They're probably just messing with us. Um, and I'm making too big of a deal out of it. Who knows? Um, in that case, let us move on. So San Diego Comic-Con is coming up in like two weeks. You got your tickets? I do not have my tickets. I wish I did. Yeah. My, my, somebody else has my tickets. They have released a fair bit of the information about the Walking Dead panel and other stuff going on at the convention. That's good. So here it is. I'm going to run it down. The con is on July 24th to the 27th in San Diego, of course. And the Walking Dead panel, which is sort of the flagship Walking Dead event that takes place at this convention, will be on Friday, July the 25th from 12.20 to 1.20 in the afternoon. Sure, why not? Yeah. It's going to be in Hall H. 
And here is the list of attendees. From the cast, we're going to have Andrew Lincoln, Norman Reedus, Stephen Yoon, Lauren Cohan, Denai Gurira, Melissa McBride, Chad Coleman, and Michael Cudlitz. From the non-cast, or not cast members, we have showrunner Scott Gimple, producer Gail Ann Hurd, producer and Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman, uh, special effects guru and producer Greg Nicotero, and producer David Alpert. It's pretty much everybody. That's a good chunk. Yeah, it's a good chunk. Um, there's a few cast members, I think, that are missing, but uh, those are all the, the main ones. And uh, that is going to be good. So if you are going to San Diego Comic-Con, get in line early, and maybe you can get into the uh, Walking Dead panel. Now, there's a bunch of other panels taking place, too, which we don't really need to run through all of them, but Skybound will be doing a panel about The Walking Dead. Skybound is, of course, Kirkman's uh, little production company, comic production company, and he'll be there for that one along with Charlie Adler, which is exciting. Um, Robert Kirkman presents Skybound Entertainment featuring Norman Reedus, so they're going to be doing a Skybound panel just with Norman for all you Daryl Dixon fans. Cool. That one will be Saturday, July 26th from 3 to 4, and they'll be talking about, well, they'll be talking about like, probably The Walking Dead a little bit, but also apparently Skybound is producing a feature film called Air that's starring Norman Reedus. Air. Yeah. So Skybound has become a film production company now, too. I don't know anything about this movie. There's not too much information on IMDb, but it is sci-fi, apparently. And uh, Norman Reedus is starring in it. So there's going to be some exclusive premiere footage from the movie at that panel. Well, be, so that could be fun, too. That'd be cool. It could be. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not hair, right? It's air? A-I-R. Air. Okay. Just want to make sure, because if they were doing a remake of hair starring Norman Reedus, I'm sure it'd be very popular. Oh, but man. It's, it's not something I would you know be super interested in. It, hair, Jason, is a pretty good movie. I watched Hair for the first time in my life four or five years ago, and I went in expecting this, like, this is going to be dumb, this is a stupid musical, and, you know, there was some plot issues with it, but I actually really enjoyed the film, so I think you should give it a chance. Well, I'm not saying that it's bad, it's just, it's, it, you know, a remake starring Norman Reedus uh, is not something I'd be super interested in. Like, what, uh, come on, like, I realize, realize Hair is a Broadway uh, you know, musical stage production. Right. So, okay, first question, they made a movie? Yeah, and yeah. who's in the movie? Famous. Um, Is it recent? Uh, the, the most famous Czech director, Milos Forman, made Hair, the director of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, among other classic films. Like Amadeus? Amadeus, exactly. That was a good movie. That exactly. one best picture. So did Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. No, that, that, okay, that, so that's, that's, uh, that's something definitely in its favor. Exactly. I recommend it. Uh, but okay. yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's people in it. I don't remember who they are or if they're any big stars. But everyone in it human, was really human good. beings. There are human beings in this movie. Yeah. And if they were going to remake Hair, why not throw Norman Reedus in? We talk about his hair on The Walking Dead enough. I mean, he's got some hair, man. I think uh, I think he'd be more suited to a Jesus Christ superstar kind of role, <laughs> rather than you know hair. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hair. I don't know. It's a little too hippie. Jesus Christ Superstar, you could make it. Uh, you could make that really good. Oh, it's very hippie, and it's about the the main guy in hair, you know, going off to uh, going off to war. So yeah, 
Um, getting back to panels at Comic-Con, Robert Kirkman's Skybound Comics will be held on Sunday, July 27th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's a long one. And uh, that is Kirkman and the Skybound writers discussing their work and the changing landscape of comics. Changing landscape. Whatever that means. I think it could be interesting. No, I've been to some of Kirkman's non-Walking uh, Dead-specific panels, and he's, he's an interesting enough guy, so I recommend going to them. Um, also, at San Diego Comic-Con, there are always exclusives, and here is a quick rundown of what you can get from Skybound and Image Entertainment. First of all, an exclusive cover for The Walking Dead number 129, which weirdly adjoins with another exclusive cover from another one of their comics called Manifest Destiny, number eight. Really? So these two covers go together. It's kind of weird. So it's just a crossover. It's a cover crossover, so they're not actually crossing over the storylines or anything. Correct. Just just a cover. It's a coincidental cover crossover. That's what they should call it. Yeah. (laughs) But you can pick up that if you want The Walking Dead number 129 San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. There will be a vinyl mini replica of Lucille. And I think I'll just leave it at that. Comic readers will know what that means. And the picture of that I saw looked pretty cool. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an Ezekiel action figure, another comic character. He's never been released as action figure form before. And you can also buy a real-life, live, wearable version of Ezekiel's Star Pattern t-shirt. So uh, that'll be cool. We have PVC mini two-packs, those little mini uh, character two-packs that they've been doing at conventions. I have a few of them. Right. Um, you're going to get, uh, you're gonna, there's three different ones, three, three packs of two, I should say, Abraham, Andrea, and Jesus, and each one of those is packaged with a zombie. Jesus? Jesus, the comic book oh, character. Well, I've always called him Jesus. Yeah, that, that's fine. Okay. That just confused me. Sorry. You know, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar we're talking about. And right. all of a sudden, Jesus is in the comic book. Yeah. And uh, they're making an action figure. Do they have Jesus action figures? I have seen a Jesus action figure. Yeah, they're, figure. they're called crosses. They sell them at religious stores. Uh, no, they're not called crucifixions. They, Cruc- they, I've seen, like, you know, a happy Jesus action figure or something like that. Okay. Uh, Skybound minis. These are little weird sort of action figure type character things. And apparently... Skybound will be selling blind box blind boxes of these. So you get two in a box, but you don't know which two you're getting until you buy it and open the box. And Rick Grimes is included in the group of characters that includes uh, other characters from other uh, Image or Skybound comics. Right. So they're doing the same thing as the collectible uh, Lego minifigures. Kind of, yeah. You buy the bag, but you don't know what's in it until after you buy it and open it. That's right. So... That's exciting. That's pretty much all the relevant exclusives, I think, but a fair, you know, fair number of things for you to spend your money on if you're going to San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of Lego, Jason. Uh-huh. You like your Lego. I do. I've bought Lego in a long time, actually. Well. And for a long time, for me, it means like a month and a half. Right. You you didn't buy any today? You told me today you were in a Toys R Us. No, we were shopping for a bucket of dinosaurs for a birthday present for our niece. Oh, that's good. Bucket of dinosaurs. Yeah, it was uh, it's a really, you know, uh, Mia, if you're listening, uh, spoiler <laughs> alert, you're getting a bucket of dinosaurs for your birthday. <laughs> that's so much better than a barrel of monkeys. She's three. I don't think she's listening to the podcast. That's a good gift for a, a three-year-old. Dinosaurs. 
She's into dinosaurs this year, so that's what she's getting is a big bucket of dinosaurs. Well, let's get to this news item. McFarland Toys, you're aware of them. I am. They make all of the, the Walking Dead action figures amongst a million other action figures from various other properties. Well, they are coming out with a new product, and they are launching building block sets for the Walking mm. Dead. So similar to Lego, but not Lego, but they you can construct things out of these blocks similar in a similar way to Lego. Right. So MTV said this, <clears throat> move over Lego and Creo, Walking Dead brick building sets are here. The entirely new line of toys will debut at this year's San Diego Comic-Con, eventually hitting stores this fall, and the concept is a pretty simple one. Instead of cartoony figures and blocky play sets, what if buildable toys looked like high-end collectibles? That's exactly what Todd McFarlane, owner of McFarlane Toys, was aiming to do when he moved from the specialty shop to a new area of Toys R Us. We can't, uh, we can't the art... That doesn't make any sense. We can't make the art be better or cooler. Why can't we make the art be better or cooler in that aisle, McFarland said when TV news, uh, MTV News asked him over the phone. So they're making building sets, and if you've seen the pictures of these things, I don't know if you can look them up where you are right now, but if you've seen the pictures, they don't look like building sets. They don't look like Lego. They don't look like they come apart into pieces, which is a little bit weird, although they do look kind of cool. And according to MTV, these sets will work with Lego and other brick brands. Wow. So they will join up to Lego so you can buy one of these and then keep it in your big tub of Lego with all the rest of your Lego. And I uh, do not have a tub of Lego. <laughs> and, uh, it is completely neatly organized and separated into uh, sets. And if they're not, the stuff that isn't separated into sets is sorted by size, shape, and color. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I knew that when I said it, so I didn't really mean you. <laughs> one, one could buy this oh, Lego yeah, okay, that makes sense. or these sets and throw it into their big tub of Lego and then use it when they were playing Lego. And make Jason cry. <laughs> like I do, because that's how I store Lego. <laughs> yeah. Um, the sets include Daryl Dixon and his chopper, uh, the prison tower and gate, the governor's cave, including zombie fish tanks, and I think in general the sets will be a little cheaper than Lego. Apparently they will range in price from ten bucks to sixty five dollars, with most of them being under fifty dollars. Cool. Now I don't know the sizing or the number of parts or anything like that, so that would factor in the price, of course. But it sounds like there's no, you know, three hundred ninety nine dollar sets like you get with Lego. The other thing they're doing is two ninety nine for blind bags of figures. Same thing you were just mentioning. Right. And uh, they'll be available in October exclusive to Toys R Us. So I can't find these pictures of these things. Send oh, me a link. Uh, well, there's, I got the most of the information from uh, MTV. I don't know if you search for MTV. Search MTV for Walking Dead McFarland Toys building sets, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, they are, they're pretty cool looking from the pictures, but it's hard to tell, right? You, this kind of thing you really want to get your hands on, play with, build, take apart, build something else, you know, join two sets together, that kind of stuff. Right. So we will see. I just think it's interesting that they're coming out with a Lego-style toy for The Walking Dead. Lego Walking Dead is something we've mentioned on the podcast before. 
kind of thinking that Lego would never go for it. They and, would never go for it. And I think that was your point, but clearly somebody would go for it because we got McFarland stepping up to the plate. Right. Well, these look pretty good. You found them? I found them. What are your thoughts? Uh, these look pretty good. <laughs> That's about it, eh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, if I had an area to display Walking Dead stuff, this would uh, this would fit right in. So you are a bit of a Lego purist. Could you see yourself buying these? Probably not. No, I don't. Yeah, because uh, you know I bought some of the uh, some of the action figures from The Walking Dead, but I'm not an action figure kind of guy. And this uh, kind of falls into the realm of uh, action figure, uh, you know, collectible, displayable kind of thing. I'd be a little if I bought these, I might be a little reticent to take them out of the package to begin with. So these are. I- Sorry, these are too much. These are too close to collectibles, and not close enough to a general building toy. Like, what makes these different from Lego in your mind? I'm not sure. Style, yeah, style. Because uh, you know, when you build something out of Lego or you buy a Lego set, it has, uh, you know, it has the 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 overall style of what they're trying to. Uh, display but it also has the lego styling mm-hmm. like even, like i recently bought the the most recent thing that i bought was the uh uh the ecto one uh the ghostbusters vehicle and the four ghostbusters me too so it's a really yeah it's a, did you build it oh yeah it's a really good build and it's a lovely uh it, it's really nice but it's got uh you know the styling is really cool and the uh you know the fact that it's made out of lego it also has the lego styling which makes it uh additionally cool these things have, uh, you know, Walking Dead style. There's the the bricks are dirty, right? They're they look they have they've been painted so that they look uh, worn out, and like the fencing is all bent and and stuff, and it looks kind of scraggly. So it definitely has that kind of styling, and the fact that it's made out of uh, out of bricks really is secondary, right? Whereas uh, with Lego, tries to marry the two distinct styles in in a way that uh, I find, you know, quite pleasing. Yeah, I, I got sort of the same feeling from this. It doesn't look like a building toy. It looks like a, a diorama toy, sort of, mm-hmm. right? It looks like a model or a diorama. When you get up close, you can see the little knobs and stuff like that for connecting stuff together, but but it, but it looks like most of the finishing pieces are all painted and smooth and, you know, once you're done with this thing, you're done with it. You're not going to take this apart and build something totally different out of it like you you can with Lego or at least like Lego encourages you to do. Yeah. So, and Lego has some rules when it comes to um, comes to style. Like a brick is all one color and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's not painted to look like something else unless it's a specific brick that has uh, a silk screened image on it, or there's a sticker in the package that you can put on a particular piece. So, right. uh, this, these ones don't follow those rules. Obviously they have, uh, they're all individually painted and styled to look like they have stains on them or, uh, marks on them, or they've been weathered or aged. Yeah. Lego is a bunch of standard bricks with a few, uh, accent pieces here and there. This is like all accent pieces with no standard bricks. Right. That's sort of the feeling I have. So, so. yeah, I agree with you. It looks more like a uh, a buildable diorama, which is a lot is you know really is a lot of fun too because that's uh, sort of how I view Lego. Is that I I don't really play around with it and make unique stuff. I kind of build the 
the sets that I have and I display them for a while and then I get, you know, I get other sets and I run out of space. So I have to take down the old set and put them in a box <laughs> and then uh, build a new set. You are, uh, you're the, oh, we have a caller. <clears throat> you're the, you're the dad from the Lego movie. Oh, I totally am the dad from the Lego movie. Spoiler <laughs> for the Lego movie and Jason's life. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I would love to have that setup that uh, Will Ferrell, sorry, other spoiler, had in the uh, in the Lego movie. Yeah. I would love to have that amount of Lego and time. That would be a lot of Lego and a lot of time. Yeah. All righty. Well, I'm definitely going to check out these these building block sets. I'm at least going to go pick one up when they come out in stores to, to get a hands-on feel for it. Cause I really think with this kind of thing, more so than an action figure, you really have to play with it or build it to get an idea and get a feel for what it's like. So I will be trying it out. I, I read a statistic on Lego the other day that uh, there are 84 bricks per person on the planet. Lego bricks. No shit. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And is it true that the Lego company is the single biggest manufacturer of rubber tires in the world? Yes, I heard that somewhere from you, probably. These are—they're not actually rubber; they're um, uh, uh, polyethylene or polystyrene or something. They're not actual rubber because okay. rubber will break down over time, right? Uh, whereas these things will, because uh, rubber degrades, right? If you ever pick up a piece of rubber from an old eyepiece on a on a camera from the '60s, it all is sticky and it just completely disintegrates. Yeah. Whereas these tires won't. Right. I looked into it because I was worried. You know, getting these tires is like, oh my god. In 30 years, <laughs> you know, are these tires going to be pieces of crap and I'm going to have to replace them? And can I replace them? And yeah, I'm worried about that. Archiving. You know, the Ecto-1 tires, which I'm holding in my hand right now, feel like rubber. Oh, they make a, they make a, a good piece, the, them Lego, Lego folks. That's why it's so they, expensive. Uh, they know what they're doing. All righty. Well, we will talk about this again when I get my hands on some of these in the fall. Turning old dinosaurs into toys. There you go. Uh, the Walking Dead. Let's talk about some awards they've won because I like to do that. Cool. They they won some Saturn awards, uh, the cast and the show. So Melissa McBride won Best Supporting Actress in a Television Series. Yay! See what you get for killing little girls. That's right. And we were just saying that she deserves some recognition for she her does. acting on the show. So there you go, Saturn Award. Chandler Riggs, Best Performance by a Younger Actor in a Television Series. Awesome. Go Chandler. The Walking Dead won Best Syndicated Slash Cable Television Series. That's pretty big. That is good. Best one. Not the second best, not the third best, the number one best. Yeah. Uh, Greg Nicotero won something called the George Powell Memorial Award, some sort of lifetime achievement thing, I think. So that's cool. You won a lifetime achievement award? Well, he's getting up there, and he's been in the industry for a long time. Was, is he in his 40s? How old is he? No, he's easily in his 50s. He might be approaching 60. Greg Nicotero. <laughs> you find that out, and I'll tell you while you're doing that, that David Morrissey lost, unfortunately, for Best Guest Star in a TV Series. But oh. it was an honor just to be nominated. He's 51. It seems a little young for a Lifetime Achievement Award. I don't care. All right. I, I can see that, but he's done so much work. He's been doing this for like 40 years. This is the kind of thing that George Burns gets. Right, or before he got, before he died. And he was like 90-something. It's like George Burns has been in, you know, an industry uh, regular for 70 years. He's been in like 300 and some odd movies and all that kind of stuff. He deserved a Lifetime Achievement Award. I don't disagree with that. Um, Greg Nicotero, albeit is a little bit young, um, but 
but he's still he's he's been in like 700 300 or whatever you said number of things not in but worked on like he's done a fair bit of stuff right and so you know maybe the george pal memorial award isn't really lifetime achievement but it's something honoring george pal whom i don't know who he is so i figure i figure you got to be pretty much dead to win a lifetime achievement award because, All right. you know, he won. now he's won the Lifetime Achievement Award. What's he do? Does he just go sit in a cabin someplace? He's done? My lifetime you know, is I've, over. I've achieved my lifetime goal is to, you know, have this award. <laughs> Probably well, not. But he, anyway, I, it, just, it strikes me a little odd. Hopefully he continues working on the show because he does a great job. Um, the Walking Dead was also nominated for two 2014 Young Hollywood Awards. These awards are apparently described as the Oscars of young Hollywood, and they celebrate the best in emerging young talent in film, music, and TV. We, we have to come up with our own awards and call them the Oscars of our podcast. That's right. You know, because it's like calling it the, uh, you know, our podcast is the, the Cadillac of podcasts that come out of your basement. Cadillac. It's the Cadillac of cars. That's right. That's a good tagline, and I think they should use it in Austin... Uh, a guy who worked on an advertising agency that uh, was working for Cadillac proposed that to them, but they rejected it. I cannot believe that. <laughs> I can't believe they wouldn't go for that. That's the greatest thing ever. Uh, anyways, in the Young Hollywood Awards, The Walking Dead is nominated for Binge-Worthy TV Show. Okay, that's good. Up against a show called Awkward, Game of Thrones, Orange is the New Black, Pretty Little Liars, and Teen Wolf. So if it loses to anything there, it better be Game of Thrones. It's all, it's all I'm saying. Orange is the New Black is pretty good and binge-worthy. I've watched both seasons on a binge. I have not. I've seen about half of season two of Orange, and uh, I do think it's a great show, and I guess it's binge-worthy. Did you watch half of it in like three days or two days or one day? No, like one episode minute? a night, probably four days, five days, however many I've watched. I think I've yeah, seen you don't five. watch TV on Netflix, right? Uh, no, I just don't have the time that some people do to watch TV. I don't usually watch more than one episode of a show a night. Yeah, but you got time to try and get a hundred percent achievement on Grand Theft Auto. Well, I have time. I'm trading sleep for that. <laughs> That's <laughs> Which, okay. You trade sleep for TV, man. No, no, no. Because I can't watch TV without my wife. Because if I if we get out of sync, it just doesn't work. You watch shows that she wouldn't. I, occasionally, I do that. Yes, that's true. But that's not what I choose to spend my time with right now right now okay. is trying to get 100 percent achieve 100 percent completion on grand theft auto 5 anyways rat hole <laughs> um and the other thing there the, the other i don't know if you even call this an award but the other thing that walking dead is nominated for sort of at the young hollywood awards are we love to hate you and that the nominees are dane dehan from amazing spider-man 2 jack gleason from game of thrones i'll I'll go with that one. Sam Riley from Maleficent, Pablo Schreiber from Origins of the New Black, and Zombies from The Walking Dead. <laughs> zombies can't win an award. Well, they're going, they might. Um, if I was voting for this one, though, I'd go Jack Gleason on Game of Thrones. Man. Like, <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. These awards air on the CW on July 28th at 8 p.m. If you're interested in tuning in. And that, Jason, is going to wrap up The Walking Dead news for this week. But we do have one more brief segment before we finish the podcast. Okay, cool. Listener feedback. We got a few emails from listeners here. I'm going to read the first one. This comes from Rob in Toronto. 
And he said, you guys mentioned that the new bad guy, oh, this is regarding the uh, Telltale game we talked about last podcast. Right. He said, you guys mentioned that the new bad guy felt samey with the governor. I think you're, you've kind of got to expect that leaders of bad groups will have at least a couple of similarities to guys we've already run into. Oh, and lastly, I think The Walking Dead's best parts are dialogue-based. Walking back and forth, fixing a motor will get tedious if you do it for any real amount of time, and the controls aren't really good enough for more action. So we were talking about how the last episode of the game was a little light on gameplay, a little heavy on dialogue, right? which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but... I think Rob is trying to say that that's the strength of this game anyways, so why not I, I go think, with it? I think Rob needs to go play Space Quest from the 1990s. <laughs> First of all, or early go, 1990s. Go find 80s. a computer that's that's like a, you know, a win, um, Windows 95, 386. 386, before <laughs> Windows 95, my friend. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> go find a 386 with a monochrome yellow screen. And, uh, you know, this has got, uh, you know, 16-bit color, my friend. Mm-hmm. And play that game, and you don't get action. There is no, it's just, you know, move your mouse over and click on something. And then uh, when you're done doing that, click on a dude and go through dialogue choices. Hey, you and I Great are old, game. You and I are old enough to remember upgrading from VGA to EGA. Oh, yeah. Those were good times. <laughs> that was exciting Oh, I stuff. remember when, you know, 256 Color came out, and then there was million, went from 256 to millions of colors. It's like, oh, my God. How could you ever need more colors than that? It, millions. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> millions of colors. <laughs> um, and, and just getting back to Rob's point, regarding the guy who felt samey to the governor, that really kind of bugged me in the game, and I, I get that, you know... A leader, leader of bad groups will be, uh, you know, sort of be similar, but then why do it? Why do leaders of bad groups? Why not come up with some other, yeah, something else? You know, different plot line. That's right. You know, fight a giant octopus. It's different. <laughs> Hasn't been done before. No. Zombie octopuses. Zombie puss. Um. Why not? Something different. That's all I'm saying. I, I think we've, if you can't do a leader who's evil and not make him different from all the other evil leaders we've had, I think you got to try something else. Shoot for something different. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Joshua in Miami, Florida writes, I was listening to the latest episode of your podcast and heard you guys talking about wanting to play a murder mystery game in the format of the Walking Dead game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, that game already exists, and it's made by Telltale. It's called Wolf Among Us, and is based on the popular comic series Fables. The game is set in a world where stories like Snow White and Three Little Pigs are all based on a real world. The fables from that world have been forced to live in our world, but must remain a secret from the normal humans. In the game, you play as Sheriff Bigby Wolf, who is the authority figure uh, for all of Fable Town. You spend the whole season of this game trying to track down the murder of one of the Fable Town citizens. I highly recommend this game and the comic to you guys. It is an amazing series. That sounds like fun. Well, I am aware of Wolf Among Us, although I did not have the sort of details that Joshua includes here. And I have been meaning to play it, I must admit, because it looks great. I've read amazing things about it, and I am going to do that even more so now that we have the endorsement from Joshua here. Cool. And I'll let you know how it is. I think you should play it too, because this is what you were looking for. Murder mystery. 
Yeah, it actually sounds uh, it sounds wonderful. That's good. Uh, I hear. So I'm going to give it a try. Thank you, Joshua. Finally, Jack from Rainy England writes. Recently, I haven't had many opportunities to listen to the show, so was a couple of episodes behind. But now I'm all caught up, and I just want to add to a topic mentioned on your live call-in episode about the spinoff show. What I really want them uh, to do is show us how survivors cope in extreme weather, such as snow. Up to this point, we have been with our ragtag bunch of heroes for several years now, and I can count the times the weather has changed on one hand. So they should set it somewhere else, like Paris, as one caller suggested. The weather would add a new threat similar to the virus and could create some interesting scenarios. Example, snow plus four guys plus one blanket equals the manliest group hug ever. (laughs) (laughs) Or the deadliest group hug ever and one dude ends up with the blanket. Right. (laughs) They'd be better off with the four dudes in the blanket. I mean, sure, it's a little homoerotic, but, you know, what are you going to do? You got to survive. You got four dudes and a blanket. And body heat should be shared. Suck it up, my friend. Get under the blanket with the three other dudes. <laughs> yes, that's what I think, too. Just, you know, hopefully they're your friends. All right, Space Quest is available on Steam. I'm buying it right now. No kidding, really? Well, it says the Space Quest collection, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, like which games it is, because there's a whole bunch of Space Quest, and it looks like there's uh, uh, there's also King's Quest, which was another great... Uh, collection and leisure suit larry which uh the entire his entire purpose for being and this entire game is trying to get larry laid i played every one of those games as a uh, kid in the 80s and 90s i guess <laughs> yeah i'm not getting much sleep tonight um how you so the space quest series you get all the space quest games i don't know there's not a lot of information it just says space uh, space quest collection and that's it. In this classic series, blah, 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 it doesn't have a lot of uh, super good information. How much? Uh, 20 bucks. That is such a deal if you get all the Space Quest games for 20 bucks. Well, do I it. don't, it says that it's the collection. It might just be like three games, but I don't know. Either way. I've got to tool around a little bit, but all uh, right. I'm super excited. And if this is here, I'm going to buy it and uh, play this instead of sleeping tonight. All right. Trade sleep for video games. Yeah, a man will always trade sleep for two things. One of them is video games. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you to those to Rob, Joshua, and Jack who sent emails in. If you want to get in contact with us, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, we are going to wrap up the podcast right now. I think we will be doing our Melissa McBride spotlight on the next episode, which could come sooner than you think. I know it's been a little while. Uh, the break between this one and the last one was a little bit longer than we wanted, but um, I think the next one will be next week, and we will be doing the Melissa, M- Melissa McBride Spotlight, as I said, and just a quick reminder, we'll be watching Mutant Species, a movie she did in 1995, a movie she did in 2002 called The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys, a short film she did in 2007 called Cro- uh, Lost Crossing, and an episode of a TV show called American Gothic called Dead to the World. That's season one, episode five of that program uh, that she was in. So we'll be talking about all those things from Melissa's back catalog next time on the podcast. If you watch anything or have seen any of those films and want to comment on her, her performance or just the, the film in general, send us a note, give us a call, and uh, we'll get you on the air. 
All right. Um, after that on the show, I don't know what's going to happen. Jason, I realized something during this podcast. You did. I did. I realized that San Diego Comic-Con is, when did I say? July 24th to the 27th. Mm-hmm. I will be in the middle of Central Europe those days. And do they have the internet there? They do. As, but as you know, San Diego always releases, uh, well, if they follow historical trends, they will release a five or six minute trailer for The Walking Dead Season 5 at Comic-Con. And if we follow historical trends, we will probably dedicate most of a podcast to breaking it down and trying to figure out what it all means, generally right. v- rather inaccurately. Okay. So we're going to have to do that while I'm in Europe. How do you feel about that? Well, I, it's fine. Why is that a problem? I don't know. I just The internet is global, my friend. I'm pretty sure that's true. You just never know. You know, I'm comfortable here in the Talking Dead studios. I know what I'm doing. When I'm out there, it's going to be all different. But... We will do it somehow, and uh, because I don't want to miss that. That's always the highlight of the summer when that comes out, if you're a Walking Dead fan. Rent a hotel room and just go there, and that way uh, your entire extended family will just leave you alone while you do a podcast. Where I'm going, there are no fancy hotel rooms. <laughs> Who said? I didn't say fancy. You <laughs> well, seem to add the word fancy there somehow. You need. I think you need decent hotel room to have good internet. I bet you the internet is better at my father-in-law's house where I'll be staying. Go to the radio station, the local radio station, and say, hey, you know, I got a podcast. I need to do some podcasting. Is there any way I could borrow a booth for a couple of hours, uh, and then we'll do the podcast from there? That's a really good idea. I mean, it's not a good idea, but it's a fun idea. Yeah, go to, yeah, find a, find a radio station. They're going to have some kind of radio station. Because then I could be on the radio, and I could tell them to broadcast the podcast on the radio all across Central Europe. That'd be awesome. That'd or, be fun. Or at least the little town I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all 17 watts of it, you know, going out to the houses around the neighborhood, whatever. Speaking a language, I'll be speaking a language no one barely speaks over there, but hey, what are you going to do? Well, uh, yeah, you, you, I mean, you speak Czech, but I don't, so we're not doing the podcast in, in Czech. Well, I don't either. You speak a little bit. You know yeah. how to order a beer and some deep fried cheese. I do not. That is true. I can just order beer and deep fried cheese over and over again on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have the essentials down, right? And you can swear a little bit. I know that. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, those are the things you learn when you're, you're learning a new language. Yeah. Okay. Um, so next episode, Melissa McBride, after that, uh, San Diego Comic-Con recap, including hopefully the trailer. And uh, after that, we'll see. But in the meantime, if you want to get in contact, send email to uh, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also call us on the zombie line at one 483 Z-O-M-B, that's 9662, and it's a toll-free call. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And uh, those are all the fine ways to contact us. Like I said, if you watch any of the Melissa McBride stuff, send us your comments and we'll play them or read them on the air. And if anything comes to mind, just give us a call and let us know. Don't forget to visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, and use amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com before you do all your Amazon shopping. And on that note, I'd like to thank everyone for listening, and until next time, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm Space Quest. I mean, Jason. We'll see you next time.